All right. Whoa, whoa, wow. I did that on purpose. Thank you. Thank you very much. <laughs> I want to wish a happy birthday to our very, very, very good friend, Andy Squires. Where are you, Andy? He's in the back. Give him a big bear hug before you leave and a big check. How's it feel to be 25, Andy? Yeah. Actually, Becky was saying in the first service that they met Andy on his 25th birthday. He's now 35, so it was exactly 10 years ago today. The first run-in with Andy Squires. Oh, my. <laughs> wow. Well, I just wanted to uh, follow up here. Honey, why don't you just come on up here? I wanted to follow up on that word that Chuck had, too. You know, and... uh in the natural, it's kind of some shaky times, isn't it? I mean, there's just so much going on from hurricanes bearing down on an already devastated area, you know, in New Orleans to, you know, kind of just a shaky presidential election season and, you know, all that's going on so important to, um, to of course, the economy and, every, you know, the gas prices that everybody's paying at the pump and, uh and then, you know, then to have on top of that all the, the mess going on with Todd Bentley and all that, it just, it, does anybody feel any kind of like uncertainty? You feel a little uh, uneasiness at times, right? And um, Sarah and I were reading this verse, this pas- passage from Psalms together, and I really want to just start off this service and read this. And, uh, and I, think it, I think the Lord can really speak to you through this. This is Psalm 46. It's probably many of you know very well, but it says, God is our refuge and strength, an ever-present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth give way, and the mountains will even fall into the sea, though its waters roar and foam, and the mountains quake with their surging. Selah. You know what that means? pause and think about that for a minute there is a river everybody say there's a river there is a river whose streams make glad the city of our God the holy place where the most high dwells and God is within her she will not fall God will help her at break of day nations are in uproar Kingdoms fall, He lifts His voice, the earth melts. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Selah. Stop and think about that. Come and see the works of the Lord. The desolation He has brought on the earth. He makes wars cease to the ends of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the shields with fire. Now, be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Amen? Stop and think about that. (laughs) You're so funny. I... I'm a little bit thrown off because we had organized it a little bit different, but... That's okay. That's okay. 
um, what um, what I really felt like we were talking a couple of days ago about what is the Lord saying? And I told Matthew, the things I hear the Lord saying right now in one thing that Byron shared earlier, the first service, is that the Lord is pouring in us that we might be able to pour out. Yeah. You know, and um, the things that I've heard the Lord really pouring in us and saying that He's desiring to release right now is love, His light, which He really emphasized on Wednesday night. Mm-hmm. The Lord was just really emphasizing the fact that He was really desiring to release His light through us. It's time to release His light into the darkness. And hope was the last thing I was really hearing the Lord really just releasing. And, and I felt like the Lord was saying when He was reading this scripture the other morning, was I felt like the Lord was saying the hope is that we would dwell on who He is in us, who He, it, who he really is, who is God. Set your minds on things above. Set your minds on who it is that's flowing through us. You know, who he really is, mm-hmm. you know. And we were listening to this song that Andy wrote, um, Look What the Lord's Done. And, and I was like, that right there, that says it. Look what the Lord's done. See how he's loved us. Hear how he's called us each by name. We are his people, brought out of darkness, and by his spirit forever changed. This is our hope, our victory. This is the flame, the light that the world will see. This is the song that the saints all sing, that I am in you and you are in me. That I am in you, Lord, and you are in me. And I felt like the Lord was saying when He was, you know, there are lots of uncertainties and craziness around and and just stuff happening and disappointments coming and, and things like that. But the Lord is saying, be still and know that I am God. And this is what He's declaring. I will be exalted among the nations. Yeah. Don't worry. Yeah. It's not it's not a question of whether mm-hmm. I'm going to be exalted in the nations. I will he's declaring this. This is what part of what Byron was saying this morning was in his dream, he was walking over the finished work of God. Dwell I just felt like the Lord was saying, "Dwell on what who I am, who I am in you, mm-hmm. not who you can be, but who I am in you, the promises that will not change." You know, and the fact that in the scriptures it says that I will finish what I've started. Yeah. Don't worry. You know, <laughs> this is who I am. And yeah. and then it says I will be exalted in the in the earth. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Mm. And I just kept hearing the Lord saying, "This is our hope, our victory." This is the flame that the world will see. <coughs> this is the song that the saints all sing. I am in you and you are in me. So yeah. just know that. Know and dwell. You know, there may be even um, doubts and things that the enemy's trying to sow in your heart or in your mind. Are you really real? Is this really real, Lord, what mm-hmm. you're doing? Are, are you really who you say you are? And the Lord is saying, yes, I am. Dwell on who I am and what I've said about myself and what I'm going to do. Stay there. Look up to the hills. Fix your eyes from where your help comes. Your help comes from the Lord, yeah. maker of heaven and earth. Yeah, you know, and, right. and just declaring that, that song we were singing this morning, I will worship you for who you are, yeah. for who you 
are. Yes. You know, because He is mighty to save. And forever, this, another song. I mean, it was like <laughs> the Lord was just, you know, pounding us with these songs. But it says, He's mighty to save forever, author of salvation. He didn't just start that. You know, this is for generations to generations. There's promises that we can hold. And He's saying, don't look at the circumstances. Don't look at the waves that are, like my dad said, you know, those waves that maybe, you know, just feeling like, oh, this is going to totally tip us over and we're going to sink. That's a lie from the enemy. Look at the God of Jacob that's in the Mm. boat with you, that they're mighty to save. Mm. And he look up to the hills where your help comes from and dwell on who he is in you and through you. Yeah, amen. Yeah, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Uh, Wednesday night, I was in the prayer room just before the meeting, just asking the Lord. I was just asking the Lord, what do you want to do, Lord? And um, I just got this one simple thing. He said, I'm going to, be, I'm going to shine a great light. You know, and then uh, <coughs> Hannah Stewart got up there and uh, got up here and started singing prophetically about letting your light shine. You guys remember that? You were here? Well, I, I don't remember all the details of it, but it was just that thing. And it's just, you know what I mean? It's so simple, but yet it's so profound when the Lord's speaking that, you know? And uh, what an awesome thing. Um, God's, yeah, it's just, thank you, Lord, for that. Lord, we just thank you this morning that in these these times, Lord, you are, you are ever-present help in trouble. And God, I just ask you this morning, Lord, that you would complete the work that you have begun, Lord. I pray, Father, that you would begin to just saturate us, Lord, in your presence and increase measure and in your glory. God, get our eyes off of all the hardships and all the situations, Lord, and let us soar to see from your perspective. Lord, we just love You this morning. Holy Spirit, we just trust You to speak what You want to say in these few minutes remaining. And everybody agreed. Amen. Thank You very much, Lord. Oh, thank You. Just, I just got so just touched by the Lord. It was like meat tenderizer on my heart in the first service. You know that feeling of just, you know, it's like the Lord is just crushing your heart and just molding it and all those things. And uh it's just so, it's so painfully wonderful, <laughs> you know, at the same time. But um, I don't know, uh, over the past several weeks, um, from, you know, when I've had a chance to speak, I've been speaking on this series called Christ in You. How many people remember that? Christ in You, the hope of glory, and Christ in You, thinking the thoughts of God. And, uh, you know, so this is kind of a very short <laughs> part three to that. But really what I want to emphasize this morning is this. Everything Jesus did, He did from that flow through of the Father through Him. He was a man that allowed, He set aside His divinity, He allowed the the Father to flow through Him, and especially in the area of compassion and the Father's love. And I just want to give you a few examples here, and I know you guys know these, but these are just some really, I think, big keys for whatever we want to accomplish for whatever we want to accomplish in ministry, in life, and from the heart of the Father. How many people really are feeling the residual effects from last weekend's conference with Shampa? You know, just, just it's such a great, the great love of Jesus. 
It is great, isn't it? And, you know, in just a few weeks, we're getting ready to, you know, have a, an outreach sort of an event that we're just calling Outpouring in the Park. And I'm just believing for an outpouring of God's love to really just touch so many people. Amen? And this is not something that we, you know, we want to do just to hype our name or, you know, just for whatever other reasons there may be to do something like this. But honestly, my heart in this is that God's love would just in a very practical and tangible way just touch this community. You know, that's what we've been trying to do for four years. And one of the profound things that Shampa was sharing is this concept of how you can preach the gospel without words. You know, through just a hug, just a touch, or just, you know, little things, you can preach the gospel. And, you know, that's really what we've been doing in the Lee Park community. And uh, just uh, while I'm on that note, I do want to just say, you know, in the doing here, there are a lot of things to to be involved with that you could help with. Um, I still need somebody to coordinate the chairs being set up and taken down each evening. Um, we, we've got the chairs, but just a little bit of work on that. Of course, uh, Eric and Sherry will be getting some ministry team people together. We need a, a team of prayer counselors and that sort of thing. Uh, Jerry Gardner. Jerry, where are you? Back there. Stand up, Jerry, so everybody can see you. She's going to be heading up like the prayer covering, the intercession for this event. So uh, next Friday and the Friday after that, she's going to host a prayer meeting at her house from 7 to 9. And so if anybody would like to be involved in the intercession for this event, you can talk to Jerry in that. Um, and of course, Denise Moose will be heading up the food. We're going to have a cookout every night of this thing at 5 o'clock. So we're going to need a lot of help and all that. But uh, those are just all the practical side that the Lord's given us to do, right? But uh, it's just going to be an awesome time. And I, here's what I want to pray even right now. And, you know, we just got a few minutes left really this morning. But I want to pray this. I want to ask you if you believe that God can do this. Do you believe, and not just for Lee Park, but for just the world, do you believe that God can impart His compassion, which is different than mine or different than yours? Do you believe that God can impart His compassion into you even right now? in a certain measure. If you believe that, let's just stand up. If you'd like more compassion. And Lord, we just start by saying, Lord, we confess to You we don't have enough compassion. We can really never have enough compassion. But Father, You do. You've got the source of it all, Lord. And Your Word says that You have taken residence inside of us. So I pray that this morning, Lord, that the very compassion of Jesus Christ would rise in each one of us standing here today. Lord, that as we go to our jobs and in our neighborhoods and with our families, Lord, that the compassion of Christ, the unconditional love of God, the unconditional compassion of Jesus would rise inside of us. Lord, we thank You for that and we just say we receive it. We just receive it by faith this morning, Lord. We take hold of it. Yeah. Amen. Amen. You can be seated. So like in Matthew 9, it says that when he saw the crowds, he had what? He had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Does that sound familiar? How many sheep without a shepherd do you see out in our world today. Then he said to his disciples, The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers 
into his harvest field. So this is a very specific thing that he says we can ask for. We should ask for. Lord, send out workers. Maybe one of the, of course, those are us and others. Lord, send them out. Then on in Matthew 14, it says that when Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them and did what? Healed their sick. So where does the power come from for the healing of the sick? It comes out of the compassion of God. The compassion of Jesus as He saw what the Father wanted to do. Another example of that, in Matthew twenty thirty four, Jesus had compassion on them and touched their eyes. Immediately they received their sight. And then in Mark, it says, filled with compassion, Jesus reached out His hand and healed this man of leprosy. So compassion is just an extremely big key. But how many people know, as we just prayed, Human compassion is very different than God's compassion. We all recognize that. We've all felt sorry for somebody or even felt some compassion for somebody. But, that, but what we need is the very eyes and the very heart of God, which is right there, just being in communion with that, to feel that compassion and that love for people, then we'll know what to do. Have you ever had somebody come to you and tell you a story or share a struggle and you have no idea what to say to this person? (laughs) In fact, that happened to me today. You know, you have no idea. But who knows what to say to that person? Who knows what to do for that person? Who knows what the person needs? Of course, we know that the Lord does. The compassion of Christ is one of those, if you will, mechanisms. All of Jesus' miracles were a result of His compassion. A different perspective than that of the religious leaders. You know, the pharisaical standard was out there looking at all the problems. Well, you got this sickness, it's because so and so forth, you know, so and so sinned. Or, you know, you've got this leprosy, unclean, the law says such and such and such. You know, you've committed adultery. The law says you get stoned. <clears throat> I, be, I just believe that this end time revival that we hear so much about, we believe so much for, and we pray, we pray, God, thank you that you're sending it, that it's coming the end time revival. It desperately needs God's compassion. We desperately need God's compassion in order to cooperate, co-labor with Christ in bringing in this revival. <coughs> All right, let me give you one biblical example here in the time we got left. It's my water bottle down there. Turn to uh, Luke chapter 8, verse 26. Luke 8, verse 26. They sailed to the region of the Gerasenes, which is across the lake from Galilee. When Jesus stepped ashore, He was met by a demon-possessed man from the town. For a long time, this man had not worn clothes or lived in a house, but had lived in the tombs. In in Mark, the companion passage to this same story, it also says that He was cutting Himself. He was a cutter. And he was, you know, often seen crying in the tombs. This man just in extreme bondage, extreme demonic torment, obviously. When he saw Jesus, he cried out and fell at his feet, shouting at the top of his voice, What do you want with me, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? I beg you, don't torture me. 
For Jesus had commanded the evil spirit to come out of the man. Many times it had seized him, and though he was chained hand and foot and kept under guard, he had broken his chains and had been driven by the demon in the solitary places. This guy is literally like breaking chains with his bare hands. I mean, you, t- you think demons don't have any power? I mean, this breaking chains, that's quite a bit of power if you ask me. You know, I mean, this is a scary dude. I mean, what would you do face to face with Legion? <laughs> Get away from me in Jesus' name! You know, I mean, chances are we would at least want to run the other way. We hope that we would stand up and be bold and courageous. You know, the spirit of Joshua would rise. But, you know, it would, that's where the rubber meets the road, doesn't it? Because this is not a nice guy. Jesus asked him, what is your name? Very interesting question. Legion, he replied. Because many demons had gone into him, and they begged him repeatedly not to order them to go into the abyss. A large herd of pigs was feeding there on the hillside. The demons begged Jesus to let them go into them, and he gave them permission. When the demons came out of the man, they went into the pigs, and the herd rushed down the steep bank into the lake and was drowned. When those tending the pigs saw what had happened, they ran off and reported this in the town and countryside, And the people went out to see what had happened. When they came to Jesus, they found the man from whom the demons had gone out, sitting at Jesus' feet, dressed and in his right mind, and they were afraid. Those who had seen it told the people how the demon-possessed man had been cured. Then all the people of the region of the Gerasenes asked Jesus to leave them because they were overcome with fear. So he got into the boat and left. The man from whom the demons had gone out begged to go with him, but Jesus sent him away, saying, No, return home and tell how much God has done for you. So the man went away and told all and told all over town how much Jesus had done for him. Mm. Wow. So this is an incredible miracle, isn't it? I mean, what would would we know what to do with this guy? Jesus just handled it. And, you know, he got a miracle deliverance, didn't he? But an interesting thing happened. The people that witnessed it, the people of the region, were afraid, weren't they? They were afraid. I mean, I think that they just didn't understand what was happening here. Suddenly, there was so, they're, they're face-to-face with God himself. You know? And that can be a pretty scary thing. What power! I don't, I don't even know what to do with this power. I don't even know what to say to this thing. I mean, you know, I'm here to tell you, and you guys know this, the love of Jesus is the most powerful force in all the universe. No demon in hell can stand up to the love of Jesus. And the Bible doesn't tell us here when Jesus had this encounter with this man what he was thinking specifically or what he was feeling But since he didn't run the other way, I'm going to take the liberty to assume that he took a higher perspective on this man than all the people in this man's community that probably judged him, cast him out, you know, looked on him with disdain. Because, you know, if Jesus were walking in like Shampa Rice's shoes, she would have gone up and given him a big bear hug, you know, a big mama hug, right? And said, yeah, nobody wants to touch you. Nobody dares get near you. But here, let me give you a hug. 
That is the compassion of Jesus, isn't it? And it is an incredibly powerful force. Somebody asked me recently, we were discussing a, a particular town in North Carolina that's kind of notorious for its, its witchcraft and, and that sort of thing. And they were just, we were talking about, um, you know, well, anyway, <laughs> sorry. Some, a friend of mine who lives in the community had said that the churches there are really suffering that there's really not any good churches. And I, I didn't really understand that. So they just explained about all the division and all the just religious spirits that so hindered things. And um, so my friend just posed me the question. They were like, so Matthew, what would you do if you planted a church in a place like that? Like, how would you fight that spiritual battle? I mean, obviously there are these huge principalities and powers and all this. And I thought, well, I can tell you first what I wouldn't probably do. I probably wouldn't go in there first, at least. I want you, I want you to misunderstand me. I wouldn't go in there first and get in this ten, intense uh, intercession meeting, you know, where our goal is to go into the heavenly places and attempt to pull down these principalities and powers. That probably wouldn't be my first thing to do. But I think the first approach would be to go in there and just extravagantly, overwhelmingly, and unabashedly love people. Just, I know this is a catchphrase, random acts of kindness. Just love people. It'll break the bondages. It'll break the chains. It'll even tear down principalities. If God can give you authority then to pull things down, but you don't mess with that first. You know, I've heard Bill Johnson talk about out there at, near Reading, there's Mount Shasta, which is apparently a big kind of epicenter of the occult or New Age or whatever. And uh, that's kind of been their approach. It's just to love people. And apparently it's working pretty well. <laughs> I mean, I, so, you know, he can speak on a greater area of authority than certainly I can. But, um, but also, in combination with that, just a demonstration of the power of God. You know, because out of that compassion and that love that is genuinely flowing through us, then people just will get healed as you feel the love of God and say, just pray for, and, you know, just take authority over those sicknesses and those illnesses. And then you have a situation similar to the people in the region who watched this miracle with Legion. Be careful. Their initial response may not be, what we think it should or would be. They may say, oh, I don't know about this. They may say, Jesus, that's great, but could you kindly leave us? But don't mistake, because God is still at work. Again, the Bible doesn't say this, but I'm taking some liberty here. When He sent Legion back as the first evangelist in the Bible, He said, no, don't come with me. Go back and tell everybody in your town what I've done for you. I, I certainly have to believe that some of those same people that asked Jesus to leave then embraced the man, Jesus Christ. Because time had, was a factor here and settled in. They thought, man, what an incredible thing. I don't know. I could be wrong about that. So I believe in a sense, and I don't want to go overboard here, but this man legion in, this, in the, the Gospels here could also represent, in a sense, the depraved culture that we currently find ourselves engrossed in. I mean, 
another friend of mine was saying recently, this, this friend of his that he has, he was just talking about how it just over, just blows his mind at the vulgarity of this man. <laughs> he said literally, he's like, it's not that I'm trying to judge him, but honestly, every word that is, comes from his mouth is just filth. It's <laughs> just like, every, it just seems like every thought has just got to be utter, you know, vulgarity and perversion and whatever. And uh, when he said that, I thought, yeah, well, for that one guy, I could probably think of ten more that I know, <laughs> you know, and, or that I've worked with, or you guys know what I'm talking about. And, uh, you know, in a sense, there is such a blur of right versus wrong in American culture today that it seems like, believe it or not, Paul actually knew what he was talking about in Romans 1. Again, the Bible's right, you know, where he talks about the depraved mind. And, um, you know, I'm not going to go through this all, but just this first verse, since they did not think it worthwhile to retain the knowledge of God, he gave them over to a depraved mind to do what ought not to be done. And, uh, you know, and then it goes on to list all the characteristics of a depraved mind. And then at the end of the chapter say that not only do they approve of such things, but they encourage people to do such things. So we have a choice, I believe, church, here. If, if you will go with me in this comparison, in this analogy, that American culture, at least in a sense, to a degree, could represent this man legion. The chains represent the great power our generation has found in the demonic realm. Let me tell you, there's a great attraction among young people for the power of the dark realm. It's certainly alive and well. And there is a certain degree of power. It's a perverted power. It's a lesser power. But it is real nonetheless. The people of the region represent people who don't understand the no-strings-attached love of Jesus and therefore reject it. However, the man returned home and told all that Jesus had done for him. So the people of the region, um, you know, you have to believe, you know, some of those people were certainly Jewish um, people. Some of them may have been, I don't know, of what sect, it doesn't really tell us. Um, well, let me just say this. Certainly they didn't have the same perspective that the man Jesus had when he came into town. Or maybe they did, but they just didn't know what to do about it. I don't know. So here we stand, if we face this culture that is represented by Legion in the story, what do we do about it? How do we confront it? How do we approach it? How do we minister to the culture? Certainly we can take the approach that has been taken for quite some time, I would guess, of just send it all to hell in a handbasket. You know, let me tell you what your, but, your destiny is, buddy. You know, let me tell you if you don't turn or burn. You know, let me... Certainly we could take that approach of the law. You know, well, this is the crime. Here is the punishment as we pick up a stone. Or... We could bend over. We could doodle something in the dust. Whatever that was. And say, well, guys, you know, I don't know. I mean, certainly this is horrible, you know. But I don't know about you. Um, 
I say whoever's without sin just cast the first stone. You know, I'm sure you guys have all had this experience of being face to face with somebody who's bound by some sort of lifestyle of just sin. You know, and some sin can seem quite repulsive, quite uh, a lot more repulsive than other. You know, and everything in me wants to either slap that person in the face or just turn and run the other way. But where is that thing in me that says, hey man, let me just give you a hug? There's power in the love of God that flows through you, demonstrated in compassion. Amen. I think it can break some cords and some chains. It may not happen in an instant. You know, I'm sure if Shampa would tell you that not every person that she has hugged has fallen to their knees, weep for two hours, and confess the name of Jesus. But she, she takes, you have to take a greater perspective that there is power and God is moving. And certainly that can happen from time to time, but if it doesn't, God is going to work in people's lives as we bestow the grace of God, as we remember from how far we've come. I deserve nothing. I deserve hell. I deserve all punishments. If we're talking about a list of things I've done good versus done wrong, my wrong list is much longer. You know? <laughs> um, let me just conclude with this scripture in First John. Again, this is about the love of God. My friends, dear friends, I'll even say to you, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God. Because what is it? God is love. Think back to 1 Corinthians 13, you know, that she was preaching on. This is how God showed His love among us. He sent His one and only Son into the world that we might live through Him. This is love. Not that we love God, but that He loved us and sent His Son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God. But if we love one another, God lives in us. God in us. God in you. The hope of glory. There it is. God lives in you. And His love is made complete in you. Amen? Dean, where are you? Last night I had a dream, and um, in the dream, Matt and I were together, and there were these great big stones, and we were pushing the stones away from what they were covering. We didn't, in the dream, I didn't even know there was something under there, but we were pushing these stones, and when we did, there were these extremely deep wells under the stones, so deep that when we leaned over to look at them, we were afraid because they were just so far down. And we kept doing this like two or three times. We were pushing these stones off these really deep wells, and I'd forgotten the dream. And this morning we were riding to church. The Lord said to me that there were, and I pictured this area right here, and I pictured these holes with the stones 
to the side of them that there were wells. And the Lord spoke to me that there are deep wells that the Lord is making available to us this morning. And as soon as he said that, I remembered my dream. And, you know, the deeper the well, the more fresh the water is, the more pure that water is. And, you know, for some here, that well may be just a deeper relationship. It could be a deeper revelation. It could be rare love and rare compassion that we've not tapped into yet because it's so much deeper, because it's so much purer. And I had no idea Matt was preaching this morning, so I thought that was pretty cool too. So, Yeah, Dean came up to me and told me the dream, and I knew because I'd already heard the first message. And so, you know, and I, you know, before Shampa came, Byron actually had a dream about a well also that was small, and Byron fell into it. And I just really feel like the Lord is speaking to this body very clear about the love of God. And uh, and I'm excited. It's just really has give, given me a very joyful uh, heart this week because, you know, when you go back to the simple things, it's just always just wonderful. It just makes life simple. You know what I mean? And the love of God is just a simple thing that we can live on and live our life on. Heather, can, she's got just a quick testimony. She wanted to share about what Matthew was saying. It's real quick. Um, it's, a, it's a testimony by dad. My dad, um, well, I guess I could say, used to be a very legalistic, very judgmental person, Christian. He um, went with the Lord for 30-plus years. And uh, to the point where I was always wondering, how's the Lord going to get him, really? You know, Because, <laughs> you know, it's a big deal when uh, you don't feel love coming from somebody, always judgment, you know, always judging the church and stuff. Well, um, he was having a problem at work uh, with a lot of his, his uh, co-workers to the point where he was yelling and screaming at them, cussing at them, even to the point where one of his co-workers was a Satanist and he was saying, uh, you so remind me of Satan, <laughs> you know, and my dad was like, oh, that's bad, you know, but um, so yeah, it was really bad, so one day... So one day um, he got into an argument with one of his coworkers that they had been continually getting in arguments over every day, and uh, my dad said it got to a point where he he was like, "We're going to fight, like physically, you know, we're going to brute this out, you know," and he said it got to the point where they were like, you know, chest to chest and everything, and all of a sudden this guy, right when my dad was like getting ready to throw the punch, this guy comes and just wraps his arms around my dad. And he says, I love you, Frank, just the way you are. And my dad broke and sobbed and sobbed and sobbed. And that happened about a month ago. And ever since then, my dad has been awakened to the love of God. Has broken him so deeply. And um, to the point where uh, one night he was talking to his mother, who he's judged severely and his wife walks into the room after the conversation and and she says I've never heard you talk to your mother that way and he says well I got delivered of an orphan spirit and um, I was like praise God thank you Lord I just wanted to tell that testament because it's so huge that somebody for 30 plus years can be judging so hardcore and just one huge bear hug and I love you just the way you are can just break right through that rock and and crush crush out that judgment and, and bring the, love, the soft, liquid love of God. So. 
Thank you, Lord. Why don't we just all stand up and just really ask the Lord to just Oh, we went by. Won't you get up and tell us about him? He's no, he's I'm a just whale. the kind of person. If somebody says there's a whale here, and we can go deeper in, I'm getting in it. Okay. Because I found out one thing: it's better to jump in than stand That's back. It. So I would really That's encourage it. you, if if the Lord is saying that He wants to take you deeper. That's it. You know, you really, we need to respond to the Lord. That's good. I just really encourage you. That's what I'm Let's doing. I'm responding to the Lord. That's I'm, what I was getting ready to do, too. Okay, she's going to do it. You can do it so, however you want to do it. Yeah, let's just respond to the Lord that this is where we want to go. We want to get in these wells of His deep, deep love. This is how we want to spend our lives is living in the love of Jesus and giving away the love of Jesus.